Tonight I thought I would share uh, a little bit from uh, a passage, and actually this is what we're going to talk about tonight is from a section of the Bible, a section of the Torah, uh, where uh, we're going to be planted on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Uh, And it's a magnificent uh, place in the history of our people, and it has a lot to do with this uh, holiday uh, of uh, Rosh Hashanah. And so if you uh, have a Bible, there are some, I know, on the corners of the uh, seats. Maybe you brought one, or you could just listen. That's fine, fine and dandy. Uh, We want to go to chapter 33 of Shemot, of Exodus. Okay, And we're going to be looking at chapter 33 and 34 over the holidays. Tonight, uh, just a few verses toward the end of chapter 33, although to understand it, we need to know what's going on and we need to understand uh, this uh, uh, chapter. So we know that um, you know, God spoke to uh, Moses at the burning bush. Right? And, and Moses wanted to know who God was. Uh, and uh, God said, I am that I am, or I will be who I will be. Right? And as a result, Moses went forth and he redeemed the Jewish people out of Egypt. He brought the people out of Egypt into the wilderness right? by the grace of God. And he brought them to Mount Sinai. And Moses went up the mountain to receive the, uh, the tablets. And a funny thing happened on the way. Uh, there, so to speak, not really funny, it was quite serious, uh, the people got scared after a while. Where's Moses? And we know what ultimately happened. They built a golden calf uh, and just entered into this hedonistic experience, uh, uh, very much a pagan form of uh, worship that they knew from Egypt. Okay? Uh, and so Moses comes down, he, he breaks the tablets, symbolizing... Uh, the reality that the people have broken uh, the uh, covenant uh, with God, uh, and there's a, there's a severe penalty, and Moses pleads with God not to destroy all the people and to start over again with him. Uh, and uh, God relents. Uh, and the reason for that conversation is so that we would recognize the grace of God in sparing the people, right? Uh, but now the question is, where do we go from here, Right? And so then we come to chapter uh, 33, okay? Uh, And uh, here we have the aftermath and the story of uh, God's faithfulness uh, to the Jewish people, okay? So in chapter 33, he says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, Perizzite, Hivite, and the Jebusite. Right? And then you know, he says uh, once again, go to the land, go to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, lest I destroy you on the way. It's interesting what this is called in verse 4. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning, and none of them put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the sons of Israel, You are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment? I would destroy you. Now therefore put off your ornaments from you, that I may know what to do with you. 
So this is a problem. What is the problem? The problem is God says he's not going to go with them. They can go, but God's not going to go with them. And to Moses, this was a, a traumatic. And if you go down to verse 12, we read, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, thou dost say to me, Bring up this people, but thou thyself has not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. In other words, Moses is saying, I cannot go myself. Moreover, thou hast said, I have known you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Moses is once again reminding God of things that he's already said, right? I, I, God has a lot of patience with, with Moses here, you know? Do you like that when, you, when you're in a conversation with someone and people remind you of things you've said? You know what I mean? Sometimes that can get like a little bit under your skin a little bit, right? And so Moses is basically saying, you're not going with us, but you, you told me you know my name. You told me you love me. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. <laughs> you know, we can't go by ourselves. We won't know where to go. We won't know what to do. That's basically what Moses is saying. We cannot go ourselves. There's also something else about this, something that I believe Moses knows. That without the presence of God in their midst, they're not a treasured people. Without the presence of God in their... This is not just a practical thing, you know, uh, because God could say, well, here's the instructions. And then Moses would say, okay, here, here is your GPS, right? And an instruction book of what to do when, they, when all the ites come after you, okay? But no, Moses knew that God had to be present with them or else they would not be, they could never be, a nation of kings and priests. They could never be God's treasured possession. They could never be uh, his people. And so this is a crisis here. This is still the aftermath of the golden calf, the aftermath of this great sin. God is sending us off on our, on his, on our own. That cannot be. And he said, my presence, so God listens to Moses, and he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If thy presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Moses is a real, uh, he's, uh, he's something, right? So God says, my presence will go with you. And, and basically Moses is saying, well, that's good because, you know, if you don't, we're not going. For how can it be known that I have found favor in thy sight, I and thy people? This is how we know what's on Moses' mind. It's not just, what are we going to do? It's, we will not be the testimony. We will not be the chosen people. We will not be a people for your possession uh, if you don't go with us. Because read verse 16 carefully. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and the people? Is it not by, thy giving, by going with us? so that we, I, and your people may be distinguished from all other peoples who are upon the face of the earth. See, this is the uniqueness of God. This is the peculiarity of the children of Israel, is that God travels with them. And so this was a crisis for Moses. And so Moses reiterates the, the imperative need for God to be with Israel if Israel is going to be 
the unique called people of God. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. It should say in parentheses, as you reminded me. Now Moses is not done. You think he's, okay, we're, we're good now, good to go. But verse 18, in verse 18, then Moses said, I pray thee, show me your glory. It's not enough, your ways. Show me your ways. I'm glad that you said that your presence is going with us, but I need proof. Show me your glory. And you know, that is uh, a great statement because, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I can relate to Moses uh, in this uh, conversation, you know, uh, in this this endeavor. Uh, We live in a world in which it is difficult sometimes to see what God is doing. Uh, Sometimes, I don't know about you, but it feels like God has uh, wound us up and sent us out and and like uh, the world is, as we would just say in plain English, going to hell in a handbasket. And here we are, uh, you know, and we trust and we believe, but down deep inside, in our most uh, quiet moments of aloneness, or maybe not so quiet and not so alone, we may think or say to ourselves, where is God? Has he just like sent us? Because we have, uh, the cup has poured over of sin and wrath, like, like the golden calf. Yes, God has redeemed us out of Egypt, uh, and that's all great. Uh, and, and now it just seems that uh, he is absent. You know, I, um, this past week, I think it was on it was either Wednesday or Thursday, I watched the, uh, uh, one of the networks, the network evening news, you know, the 6.30 news. And I am not one who, who gets um, sucked into what's going on. I, I kind of sort of just watch it and view it and say, Oh, Lord, come soon, Yeshua. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Um, but on this particular night, I, it was just, I don't know, it struck me in this devastating way. So the first story was about all the nuclear bombs that North Korea has, you know? And with a really... Uh, uh, interesting character uh, whose hand is uh, near the button there. You know what I mean? Scary. I don't know. It struck me a certain way. And then uh, the second story was about Russia uh, uh, having influence in Syria. And so they had this little map, you know. And first they said, first they tried to go this way, and then the airspace and some of these European countries wouldn't let them through. So now they're going the other way and having influence there. Uh, not a good sign. And uh, those two things, for some reason, I, I mean, I just sort of sat back and I thought, you know, this, we live in such a dangerous world that it can really get to you if you pay attention to it too much, right? And that doesn't mean, uh, you know, one is, um, uh, uh, has a lack of faith. It means, well, that's really what, what's going on in the world. And then, uh, then there are some people uh, who have decided uh, that even though the secret things belong to the Lord, and even though Yeshua said, 
uh, uh, only God uh, the Father knows times and seasons in which things are going to happen, there are some people who have decided they're smarter than that uh, and who have decided that there's going to be like a catastrophe this week, right? If you live on the internet, may God help you, okay? I, I, I mean, it's like, right? So uh, with all of that, uh, it can really get a kind of depressing. We can wonder, where is God? And so you have here Moses, who first, when he's in the wilderness back there in chapter 3, when he sees the burning bush, he says to God, who shall I say sent me? You know, what's your name? So Moses, it's, it's very interesting when you think of Moses in this way. He feels very alone, evidently, and he needs a reassurance. And so God says, you know, I am that I am. I am who I am, right? Or I will be who I will be. Uh, and that's, you know, what those Hebrew words mean. In other words, I, I, I will be, you will see, as I, I am the deliverer as that plays out. That's who I am, okay? And now... Moses uh, say, asks two questions. Now, this is like God Almighty that he's talking to, you know, the all-powerful one. So first he says, show me your ways, and if you don't go, we won't go. Okay? And then, when it seems like he's gotten the answer, he asks for something more, you know? Show me your glory. I want to see you in it. Let it all hang out. You know, I want to see your holiness. I want to see your, y y all that you are. Okay? Now, that, you know, it's not, a bad, it's not a bad thing. God did not uh, chasten him or, or judge him uh, or uh, anything uh, at all like that when he, uh, when he prayed that way. But God does respond, and he says in verse 19, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hands until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now you have to understand there's a particular principle when it comes to uh, a God that in uh, our imperfect condition, I, we cannot see God in all his glory or we will die. And this is originally why God said, I'm not going to go with you. Because if I go with you, it'll be a lost cause. And so a story for another day is that God created a way for him to have some distance, but travel with them. And that rather than all of them experiencing God, there would be certain designated people who would represent all the people before God. And God created a way to travel with them, yet there'd be a, uh, this degree of separation. Okay? Now, you know, in the very beginning, God did not want to have any separation, right? 
And we know that uh, the first people, Adam and Eve, they sinned, and they had to hide from God, and God's question was, where are you? And so immediately, because of, si of sin, of disobedience to God, there's some separation. And one of the things we see as the text unfolds is greater, God's there, but there's greater separation. But he's still there, see? Uh, and, uh, and so that's why uh, uh, first he says, I won't go or I'll send an angel, right? But then God understands the plea of Moses and he says, I will go. But Moses himself, even though God loved Moses dearly, no, uh, no more humble man on the face of the earth, the Bible says. Even he could not see the very glory of God. And so God protected him. And so uh, he tells him what he's going to do here in chapter 33. He says what he's going to do. There's going to be this little spot, this little uh, space, and, and you're going to go in there, uh, and my goodness will pass by. Now, something very interesting, if you, if, uh, you are an observer of uh, the Bible, an observer of the text, right? That's how we study the Bible, right? Uh, so Moses says, show me your glory, kavod, your heaviness, your greatness, right? God says, I myself will make my goodness known. He doesn't say my glory. He says my goodness known, okay? Uh, and, uh, and so uh, that's very interesting because a little bit later, later on, when God is giving these instructions about where Moses is going to stand, a few verses down like we just read, in verse 22, and it will come about while my glory is passing by. So it's very interesting. It seems that in this text, God identifies his goodness with his glory. God identifies his goodness with his glory. And so then we have to ask ourselves, okay, so what is his goodness? Is his goodness like Grandpa in the Sky goodness? You know, um, uh, what is his goodness? Well, evidently, as we'll, well, we will see tomorrow morning, uh, his goodness is all of who he is as he can be known to mankind, as he can interact with mankind. His great div unit, diversity within his unity, all of his, uh, these attributes, these marvelous, marvelous attributes, okay? Uh, and uh, uh, somehow, this is going to be seen or known by Moses. Some of it is mystery. You know, it's a description to us. Uh, and what we see here is that somehow Moses is going to have this unique interaction with God that's going to have this unbelievable impression on him where he will know for sure that God is in his presence. And he will somehow experience uh, this goodness of God, uh, all, of these, uh, all of these attributes. Okay? Now, interesting what he says. Again, if you go back, when uh, in verse 19, when he says, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Okay? In other words, who he is. And then he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. This is a very interesting statement because it's, it's written in a way that is, I'm just going to say, similar, like there's an echo of a previous passage. And that previous passage we mentioned 
when, Ab- when uh, Moses asks God way back at the burning bush, when God tells him, you know, to go uh, uh, to the people, right? He asks him that this question, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. Now they will say to me, What is his name, and what shall I say to them? Okay? And he says, I am who I am. Okay? Uh, I am has sent me to you. Or literally, I will be who I will be, which is a better translation. Okay? And that's very interesting. I will be who I will be. Moses wants to know God's ways. Moses is saying, show me your glory. And God says, I will pass my glory, my goodness will pass by you, and uh, you will hear my name. And then look what he says right after that. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. May I suggest that this is a little bit more of an explanation of I will be whom I will be. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion to whom I show compassion. That's my name. That's who I am. And as we learned on Shabbat, uh, when we talk about God's name, it's not like a name tag, right? It's his essence. It's who he is, right? His, his attributes, the sum of his attributes. And so Moses was going to experience the covenant name of God. He was going to somehow experience these attributes. And Moses would understand, I will be who I will be. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. Okay? And I mean, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Now, that's very interesting because it tells us something very much about what God wants to convey to Moses. That this is who he is. I love you dearly. My name is compassion. My name is grace. My name is mercy. And haven't I shown that to the children of Israel after the golden calf episode? That I haven't killed them all off and I'm going to go with you. And that becomes a paradigm in a way for the rest of history. That God is, his name is gracious. His name is mercy. Yes, Adonai, yud Hey vav Hey. I will be who I will be. Uh, and this is what he wants to convey uh, uh, to Moses. Okay? And I would suggest that what we see here in Moses is something very true about ourselves. Moses will not let go. Moses will not acquiesce. Moses will not say, all right, it's far fallen. You know, it's a lost cause. All right, look what happened, so we're just going to make the best of it. No, what he does, he comes to God in this courageous, confident way. And when he does so, each time he has to go up a mountain to do it. Yeah, he has to go up a mountain. And you know, in ancient times, mountains were viewed as the majestic place where God lives. You know, that was kind of like common knowledge. Uh, you know, I could quote, some, when you go home, read Psalm 48, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll see that. Uh, and, and many other places. And it's interesting that God dwells with the Jewish people in the Bible, anyway, on two mountains, right? Mount Sinai, Mount Zion, right? Uh, and uh, uh, so here, Moses won't let go. He's going to uh, have this uh, moment with God. It kind of reminds you a little bit of like Jacob, 
you know, wrestling for the blessing. You know, that sense of just uh, not settling, but saying, no, show me your ways, show me your glory. And God, just like with Jacob, God honors that, you know. It reminds us of, the, uh, of a parable of Yeshua, when uh, at the end of the day, what Yeshua is saying uh, to us is, keep praying, you know. Uh, just as uh, this person is continuing hawking the judge, uh, so you keep praying, you keep praying. God loves that, loves when we do that. And, uh, and so uh, on uh, Rosh Hashanah, when we hear the shofar, let us not settle. When we look at the world around us, let us say, God, where are you? God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your, you know, your uh, attributes. Uh, I want to, to experience you. I want to know you. And, uh, you know, and so uh, uh, let us uh, move forward uh, in that way. You know, in the Brit Hadashah, we might say, so, you know, how does this relate to uh, Yeshua? Well, it's interesting that in um, the good news, according to Yohanan or John, we read in uh, chapter 1, in verse 18, something very similar to Exodus 33. And I wonder how many of us have read, if you're familiar with it, you know, these uh, verses in John and thought of Moses on the mountain. In verse 18, we read, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. That's a great verse. No one has seen God any time. No one has experienced the glory of God. No one. See? But what we're reading here is about who Yeshua is. And Yeshua is the very enfleshment of God. And he has come to explain who God is. Or make those attributes even more vivid for us. That what Yeshua has done is come into this world to give us an opportunity not to uh, know a different God, not to live with a, a different way or a different Torah, but to have a vivid uh, experience and understanding uh, and relationship uh, with him more than can be had uh, any other way. That's why he's the promised Messiah of, of Israel. Okay, If you look at the uh, previous verse, where it says, For the Torah was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Yeshua the Messiah. No coincidence, may I suggest, that the words grace and truth are used there to describe the Torah and what Yeshua does, because grace and truth are prominent attributes that we read about in Exodus chapter 33 and 34 as we'll see tomorrow morning. And so, uh, the Torah was given through Moses, but what Yeshua has done is realize them. Like, he makes them absolutely real in our lives. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. You know, this past week's Torah portion, Nitzavim, says there, you know, Mo, uh, Moses says to the people that God has not given you eyes to see or ears to hear or uh, a heart of understanding. 
And he says, and the day is going to come when you're going to go into exile, but you're going to return, and then God will circumcise your hearts. And that's exactly what this means, that Yeshua, you see, has made uh, the work of God in our hearts vivid and real, and he wants that for all of all of our people and all, all people in the world, that when we embrace Yeshua, we come to know Hashem, the God of Israel, in a unique and vivid way. And he comes to dwell within us uh, via his Ruach, which was promised in uh, the prophets, uh, specifically, you know, in the prophet of Joel. It's interesting. There's another passage. There's a book in the Brit Hadashah that is written specifically to Jewish uh, Messiah followers. There's several, actually. But one of them is called Messianic Jews. <laughs> we, it, traditionally, it's called the Book of Hebrews. Okay? And the very beginning of the book, the very beginning, the first few verses, say this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways... In these last days has spoken to us in son, in sonship, in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And he is, this is who Yeshua is, the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And we can stop there. But the point is, is that you see, in these last days, God spoke through Moses, he spoke through the prophets, and in these last days, he speaks to Yeshua the Messiah in a way that no one else could, because he is indeed the very enfleshment of God. And so not only did he speak, but he becomes the message himself because he took our sins and he died and then he rose from the dead uh, uh, giving us now this opportunity of embracing him and having our sins removed uh, and uh, being what God uh, desires uh, for us uh, 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 to be. That we can have this experience uh, with God. In other words, we can get higher up on the mountain, you know, in Yeshua. We can get higher up on the mountain. And it's important that we have the attitude of there's more of God I want to know. There's more of him I want to understand. I want to live in his world. I want to experience what it means to be in the presence of God. Yes, I appreciate that God dwells down here with me, but I want to be more of where he is. And you know, in this very same book, in the 10th chapter... It says, Since therefore, brethren, in verse 19, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Yeshua, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart. Notice it says, let us draw near. Not let us wait here for God to show up. But let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, just like, we're just like Moses. We're sojourners, you know? We're on this journey, and God has called Moses to this great thing. But Moses is saying, I need, I need more. Show me your glory. 
Let us not be afraid to uh, come before God and say, Lord, show me your glory. Just like the psalmist in Psalm 42, my, I'm thirsty, Lord. Let me come to you and drink. Lord, I want more of you. And so on, on Rosh Hashanah, may the sound of the shofar, may living in these difficult times, may the sound of the shofar give us, wake us up to the fact that God is indeed uh, in our presence and that he has in Messiah Yeshua opened up our eyes, unstopped our ears, and has given us indeed a heart of understanding. And let us wake up and be encouraged and recognize that the Messiah has indeed come. The King has come. And that he's come to indeed turn this world upside down. And it begins with each one of us as we come to embrace uh, Yeshua, the God of Israel. Let us draw closer to him like Moses did. Let us receive the same kind of uh, comfort that Moses uh, received, and even more so in Messiah Yeshua. You know, we can experience now Avinu Malkeinu, our Father, our King. He is indeed our Father. He is indeed our King. He cares for us. He loves us. He protects us. Even when the world seems overwhelming, we have not yet reached, as it were, the promised land. But let us continually move forward, move upward. Let us cry out to God, and may we be able to receive from the Lord a greater understanding of his presence, a greater knowledge of who he is. May our prayer life increase to such a place of greater intimacy with God. And may it therefore bring comfort and may it tr indeed transform our lives.